Welcome to Life Source Church. We are so glad you found us. We hope that you will experience God with us as you hear the preaching of the Word. Well, good morning. It is always a privilege to uh, be able to preach. It's even more so a privilege to be able to preach the church that I grew up at. I get uh, the privilege of preaching at numerous churches over the course of the year, and that's uh, always fun to get to preach here home at Life Source. So Jeff Stappenbeck and I were talking downstairs this morning at our ministry leadership team meeting, and uh, we talked about how you know there's different ways that uh, that you prepare to preach. You either put an outline together, or uh, use a full text and do different things. I said, you know, I, I kind of write out what I'm going to uh, preach about and then kind of condense that down to an outline and then condense it down to just very few notes. And I really don't kind of go off of them, but I keep them with me because, uh, guys, I just love to preach. So if I don't keep some kind of parameters on me, it's going to be 2.30. You're going to be looking for snacks. And I'm going to say, but wait, there's more. So it's good that I have a couple of notes here so that we can kind of uh, tie things up and be able to uh, finish in a timely manner. Take your Bibles with me this morning. We're going to turn to the book of Matthew. If uh, you have a Bible with you, feel free to turn there. If you're using the Bible in the pew, we're going to be on page, uh, gosh, 1,112. And if you're using an electronic version of the Bible, I'm going to be going back and forth between a a New King James Version and a New uh, Living Translation Version this morning. So we're about 10 days away from Christmas. We can do much better than that. We're about 10 days away from Christmas. Yes, it's what we like to hear. So it's, uh, I don't know about you guys, usually by this time in the Christmas season, my tree's up, the house is decorated, most of the shopping is done, some of the wrapping is complete. Is anyone else like me this year where they're really, really far behind? Okay, and you know, I made my spreadsheet and I put everything, you know, what's supposed to get done on what days, I just don't quite know what happened this year. So it's starting to freak me out a little bit. So it's, uh, it's, it's a bit of an issue. So you guys know my family, most of you know. Uh, my brother as well. I'm the long-term planner in the family, and my brother is the, uh, you know, long-term planning for him is about 24 hours in advance. So six or seven weeks ago, I called him and said, hey, you know, I know Christmas is coming. Can you have the boys? My nephews kind of let me know what they'd like for Christmas. I can start looking at Christmas sales. Don't worry. We'll take care of it. Don't worry. Didn't hear anything back from him. Sent him a gentler, gentle, uh, you know, reminder text. Didn't hear anything back from him. I think it was about two days ago I get this text. So... Hey, it's Christmas time. And uh, <laughs> but are you kidding me? That's why my spreadsheet is off this year. So shopping is uh, usually done at this point, and most of the wrapping is done. And I don't know about most of you, but I really, really love to wrap presents. Uh, Christine and I both really love to wrap presents, and not in the normal, let's put some wrapping paper and maybe a bow or maybe use a gift bag kind of a way. So let me let you in a little bit into kind of what we do, and maybe you'll rethink whether or not you want to come to our wedding or not. But here's what we kind of do. We like to take the bottom of the box and wrap it separate from the top of the box, and then put the gift inside with the coordinating tissue paper, and then maybe a sticker to kind of seal the tissue paper. Christine likes to have monogram ones, so my name is Mike, so she'll have an M sticker in there for me. And then, of course, there's a coordinating ribbon with the bow and the different gift tie-ons. No one else? No? Just us? It's a lot of fun. So I started this year's wrapping back at Easter time, so I'm trying to get a lot of that done. During one of our first Christmas seasons together, while Christine and I were first still trying to get to know each other, we had popped into the store, and uh, she didn't know this about me at that point. I didn't know anything about, you know, about her uh, affinity for gift wrapping at that point either, and that's not something I'm about to tell this girl that I'm trying to impress. Hey, I really love to wrap presents. <laughs> that's not so great. So we're walking through the store, and we get to the Christmas paper area, and you know, when I get excited, I start to make these little noises. Look. I was so excited, like, keep it calm, keep it calm, just be quiet. 
And uh, I'm watching her, and she's kind of doing the same thing. I said, do you love to wrap presents too? And we got so excited. So we attacked. It can only be kind of defined if you've seen animals, you know, maybe like lions attack their prey. So now we set up our base camp. We have our perimeter. And no one's coming into the wrapping paper aisle. Hey, I found this one. I think it goes really well with that ribbon. Got it. And we're putting it in the box. So out of the periphery, I see this gentleman who's kind of, kind of scoping the area. And I can tell that he wants to come into the wrapping paper aisle, but he's not sure if it's worth risking life and limb to kind of get in between to what we're doing there. So it's like an hour later, and we have a display box, store display box of wrapping paper that we're dragging up to the front of the store. Honestly, at that point, I knew she was the one. It was just you know, a matter of time <laughs> from there. So it's kind of hard to think about um, Christmas without thinking about Christmas gifts, right? And uh, I, I really do love the gift part of Christmas. Now, let me qualify that statement. I love to give gifts at Christmas time. And maybe you're kind of in the same position where you just really love to watch someone's expression when they open a present. And I think it kind of runs in our family. Um, my folks are here today. My mom is so great at just finding a really, really cool gift and uh, even better at hiding that present and surprising you with it on Christmas morning. I have to let you know, though, she's not always the best at sometimes remembering where she hid those presents <laughs> before Christmas morning. Do you, do you and Dad remember this watch that she gave me a couple years ago? Yeah, remember Christmas morning? Oh, we have something else for you. At least I think it's for you, but I don't remember where we hit it. <laughs> Give me a couple of days. Okay. <laughs> so one year when we were younger, my sister and I decided that we were going to give my brother the best Christmas ever. And by the way, that's what I've entitled this morning's message is best gift ever. We decided that we were going to give my brother the uh, best Christmas ever. And so we pulled our allowance together and uh, we decided we were going to buy him everything that was on his Christmas list. So, you know, for two little kids, that was, a, that was a pretty big feat. So we're planning and we're shopping and we're doing all these things. And it wasn't until Christmas morning that really the weight of what we had done had kind of sunk in and we realized that we needed to wrap these things and get them under it, probably an entirely separate tree. And we're going to get in serious trouble because there's a lot over there. So we, we hatched this new plan where every time, you know, we would kind of go around and one person would open a present, somebody else would open one, and my brother would open four. And then we'd kind of go around and, and uh, then as we'd be cleaning up some wrapping paper, as I'd be cleaning up wrapping paper, my sister would bring in some more presents and put them under the tree so that, it, you know, no one would uh, figure out what we were doing. It was kind of like Jesus' miracle with the loaves and the fishes. because <laughs> presents just kept appearing. And I don't know that my folks ever figured that out till just about now, but um, <laughs> surprise. So... Hey, he enjoyed it. It was a good Christmas. As we look at today's text, let's talk about the, uh, the gift part of Christmas. And now uh, the portion that we're going to look at today is likely where we get the idea of sharing gifts with each other at Christmas time. Now, Pastor Walt next week is going to look at the Gospel of Luke's account of Jesus' birth and the events surrounding that. This morning, I'm going to the book of Matthew. So again, if you're using the Bible in the pew, we're in page uh, 1112, or you can use an electronic version or the Bible that you have with you. But as we look in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 1, we find that Jesus has already been born. And the Bible tells us this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had, uh, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together... He inquired of them where Christ was to be born. You know, before we go any further into God's words here, let's, uh, let's bow in a word of prayer. 
So Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning, this, during this Christmas season, that we get to gather corporately as a church, that we get to gather as brothers and sisters in Christ to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas, which is uh, your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths that are contained within, that we can rely on, that we can trust. And we pray, Lord, this morning as we examine the circumstances and the events surrounding the birth of your son, Jesus, that you'll show us uh, what it is that we need to learn from your word this morning. Specifically, Father, as we're examining this concept of gifts and how they apply to our lives during this Christmas time. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's a lot of information that's contained within these first couple of verses. So if you look at the first couple of verses, we see a couple of different things. The first thing that we notice is that Herod was king of Israel at this time. So Israel was divided into four major political districts and some smaller territories. And probably the easiest way for us to kind of grasp that is to kind of think of our, um, our, our individual states. So there were a couple of major, major states or major districts. So we had Judea that was in the south. We had Samaria that was in the middle. We had Galilee that was up north, and we had Idumea, which was in the southeast. So Jerusalem was actually located in Judea, and this is important for a couple of reasons. So uh, Judea was also the seat of government for each one of the four districts. Now Bethlehem, and we know Bethlehem is where Jesus was born, and was born uh, in a stable, and again, we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week, and as we go into, as our Christmas choir sings, as well. So Bethlehem was a small town that was also located in Judea, and it was located about five miles south of Jerusalem. It actually sits on a, uh, on a high ridge. It's about 2,000 miles uh, above, uh, 2,000 feet rather, above sea level. So the wise men from the east that we read about here likely came from Arabia or Chaldea, and we don't know specifically where they came from. You know, it was interesting because as I was uh, researching this portion of scripture and doing a little bit of studying, uh, there were some interesting thoughts about these wise men and where they came from and, and uh, how they possibly could have come from uh, one country, how they possibly could have come from some other countries, uh, from various countries. And some historians and theologians say, you know, it's possible that they each came from different countries, indicating that at one, and they all came and bowed before Jesus, indicating that at one point the entire world will bow before Christ. So it's kind of cool to see some of these parallels as we, uh, as we look at this portion of Scripture. So tradition tells us that, uh, that, that, that wise men came, uh, and we... We seem to think that there are how many wise men? Three. We say there are three wise men, and usually we say that because we know that there were three gifts that were presented to Jesus, and we'll take a look at that later. And it's, it's safe to say that hopefully there were at least three, could possibly have been more. That number isn't so much important today as, uh, as what it is that those wise men did. And, and uh, we can't be certain exactly as to how many came to Jesus or exactly where they traveled from, but we can be sure of this, and this is the first point that we want to look at this morning, that they had come to worship Jesus, who was God's perfect gift at Christmas time. You know, we read in Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, that the wise men hadn't come all the way from the east for a great office Christmas party. And uh, they hadn't come all the way from the east because it was a great Black Friday sale going on and they really wanted to take advantage of this. But they had actually come for the reason, uh, which, which is why we celebrate Christmas, which is the birth of Christ. And, and, you know, I love the entire holiday season. I love the lights. I love the peppermint mocha at Starbucks. I love every single little bit about Christmas. I don't know about you guys, Thanksgiving Day is when my bag of Christmas music goes into the car. And that's pretty much, well, some, mostly what I'll listen to from now until, until uh, New Year's Day. And, uh, you know, sometimes this last week I've been stuck on one song just on repeat eight or nine times. And I keep telling myself, it's okay, you're only going to listen to this for one month out of the year. So listen to it a lot. It's totally fine to listen to the same song for an hour and a half. So it seems like it's become increasingly uh, more difficult to focus on uh, the reason 
uh, for Christmas. We get so distracted with so many different times during this time of year, and the reason and purpose behind Christmas sometimes seems to get lost, and that's to focus on Christ, who was God's gift to the world. How many of you guys remember making a, a Christmas list when you were younger parents? Maybe your kids slip you a Christmas list, say, hey, mom and dad, uh, this is what I would really like for Christmas this year. I was joking with some of my buddies, and I said, you know, I really have no idea. Christine, don't listen. I have no idea what to get Christine for Christmas this year because this guy made the mistake of getting engaged in September, which is still too close to December. And how do you top a diamond? So <laughs> I'm kind of at a loss. I'll be taking suggestions after the service as to what's a good idea to get her for Christmas. Christine, if you are listening, that blue hoodie that we talked about would be awesome and maybe a PlayStation. So, in case you need some ideas for me, though, because I didn't get a diamond, so if you need some ideas, there you go. So, you know, when, when, we, uh, when we make Christmas lists, it's kind of an indication or an idea of some of the things that we would possibly like for Christmas, right? Things that would really just make our holiday even more special. We shop at Christmas time. We often spend time and money uh, trying to find that perfect gift for everybody on our list. And you know, God's Christmas present to the world was the most perfect, most unexpected, and the most needed gift for everybody in the entire world at Christmas time. Uh, the birth of Jesus was prophesied thousands of years earlier. And this tells us a couple of things that Jesus, the, the gift of Jesus at Christmas, was a planned gift. So how many of you have ever had uh, you know, that last-minute invite to an office party or a, to a co-worker's house or something for a party, and you're thinking, okay, my wrapping's been done for weeks, my shopping's been done, this party's an hour and a half, let me make a quick run through the store and see if I can find something that's sort of festive that I can put into a bag and hopefully pass off as, oh, I spent lots of time trying to find this for it. We've all been there, right? Okay. So that's not exactly how Jesus was. Jesus was a planned gift. In fact, in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, let me read this to you. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we read this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, we read that verse so often at Christmas time, but do we really grasp and comprehend what that verse means? You know, if we break down each one of those sections, look at what this verse means. The Bible talks about Jesus being wonderful, and that means that he is exceptional, and he is without peer. He doesn't have an equal. The Bible goes on to say that he is counselor. His advice is right, and his advice is good. His advice is, is, is trustworthy. We don't have to worry about his advice. The Bible goes on to say that he is the mighty God, and that indicates that he is God himself. The Bible goes on to say that he is the everlasting Father, that means that he is eternal. He always was. He always will be. The last part of the verse tells us that he is the prince of peace, that his government is one of true justice and of true peace. This planned gift from God was also a perfectly timed gift. You know, in, uh, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, we read these words. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Did you catch the weight of that verse? This wasn't just something that God did flippantly or God said, oh, okay, I know there's an entire world in sin and they need a savior, but God was very specific with what he did. But when the fullness of time was come, when the time was right in God's economy, he sent his son, his perfect son, into the world. So the creator entered his creation and for what? So that he could pay the penalty for, for sin that wasn't even his, but that was yours and that was mine. 
So the creator entered creation so that he could buy freedom for us who were slaves to sin. You know, when we think about that word slave, slaves to sin, that means slaves probably no hope of any type of freedom. And then here we have someone offering us the greatest possible freedom. Not just joy and peace and all these other different things that we talk about in scripture in this life, but most importantly, eternal security away from punishment for our sins. You know, God's redemption plan um, had been in the works from the very beginning, and this was his plan from the beginning. For centuries, you know, the Jewish people had wondered if their intended Messiah was even going to, when he was going to arrive, and, and maybe, maybe they had even started to think, well, maybe God kind of forgot to send us the Messiah because it's been years and years and we looked at all these different signs that the, the prophets in the Old Testament had prophesied, but where is our Messiah? But the Bible tells us when the fullness of time was come, when time was right, God hadn't forgotten, but God's timing is perfect. And when he was ready, he gave the world the most important gift that they would ever, ever receive. Let's continue on back in Matthew. If you go back to verse number five with me, we're going to be in verse five and six. So they said to him, and remember the, uh, Herod was asking, uh, Herod was asking about where, uh, the, the, uh, where, this, where uh, Jesus was to be born. We see in verse number four, and he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together and demanded of them where Christ should be born. Picking up in verse five. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, you know, the last part of that verse is actually a, uh, uh, found in the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, and that was written approximately 700 years before Christ was born, uh, and indicating not only the time that Christ would be born, but, but where he would be born. And although the birth of Jesus had been prophesied, you know, it still caught so many people off guard. And that tells us a couple of other things. That tells us that the birth of Jesus was an unexpected gift. So a couple of months ago, I proposed to Christine, and uh, most of you know that. I don't know if many of you know how, uh, how that had happened. So, um, of course, you know that uh, I had injured my, uh, my Achilles tendon months and months back, and uh, on the six days, uh, six months from the date of injury, um, I actually got to run my first race. And what was significant about that is the doctor had told me I likely wouldn't be doing that for nine to 12 months, and I actually got to compete in a 5K mud run. So it was kind of cool because, you, you know, when you propose to someone, Guys, you know how this is. It's not just something you decide, hmm, I woke up this morning, had breakfast, washed the car, maybe I'll propose. You, you, you kind of plan. Maybe some of you have done that. Not this guy. So I have been planning this for uh, about seven months prior. Did the shopping and started researching the type of ring and trying to figure out what kind of ring she would want. And then once the ring was in hand, how do I give her this thing? So my buddies and I had been talking about kind of a cool way to, to present this ring to her. And the, really the best part of that day was we finished the race. And as I'm coming up over this, this last obstacle, Christine's down below and she's taking pictures and I'm climbing this cargo net and she's yelling up, how's your ankle? It's totally fine. I'm like, oh, it's a little sore. It's fine. So come down around the finish line and my buddy hands a ring off to me and I come around the corner and my other buddy that's running said, you have to start limping to really sell this thing. I'm like, oh yeah. So I'm trying to limp as I come across the finish line. So I come over and Christine is just, she'll make such a great wife the way she took you know, care of me that day, if that's any indication. So she's, she, she's looking and she's like, how, how is your ankle? And I'm trying to be romantic and sweet. And you know, so I get down like, oh, help me down. My ankle's sore. So I'm rubbing this ankle a little bit, right? Nice, huh? I know. <laughs> I know. You're welcome, Christine. So I'm rubbing the ankle. And, uh, you know, I take her hand and I'm slipping my hand into her pocket to pull out a ring. And even at that point, I start talking to her. She looks at the ring and she's so focused, like, yeah, Michael, but how's your ankle? I'm like, no, no, sweetie, there's a ring. <laughs> so 
completely unexpected. Yesterday, we were looking at some of the pictures from the engagement. I was kind of narrating along, you know, what I was seeing in the pictures. So you see me come over and drop to one knee, and you see your face, and you see her kind of confused, and you see her looking. And so I'm narrating along. Oh, no, he's proposing. Oh, no, should I say yes? Oh, no, what happened? <laughs> it was great. So she's blushing right now, so that's good. So the point is that the, uh, it was an unexpected gift, and thankfully she said yes, right? Have you ever noticed that sometimes the best and most perfect gifts are the ones that are completely unexpected? We can make all kinds of lists, but then you get that one gift and you say, wow, someone was really thinking about me and specifically me, and they know me well enough to know that this was just the most perfect gift for me, and this is totally, totally unexpected. We tend to really appreciate those gifts, don't we? Verse 7 with me. Matthew chapter 2, verse 7. Then Herod when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. So Herod was quite concerned about the unexpected news that the wise men brought about their search for this king of the Jews. And as a side note here, how unexpected was it that the most important present ever given to the entire world came wrapped in swaddling clothes, right? came wrapped in strips of cloth. Not something grand and not something uh, really festive, but something very lowly and humble. So you remember Herod's title at the time, at this time? Herod, Herod's title at this time was the King of the Jews. And that wasn't a title that he had earned. That was a title that was given to him by Rome. But if you remember correctly, uh, it wasn't a title that was ever accepted by the Jewish people. Herod wasn't part of the Davidic line, and he knew that he wasn't actually a proper heir to the throne. <clears throat> Excuse me. So he is, because his title was ingenuine, King Herod was constantly concerned that uh, maybe he would lose his position. He had lots of enemies. He was constantly concerned about threats to the throne, threats to his life. So anytime you heard about anything, any type of, uh, of opposition to him and his position, he wanted to make sure to quell that as soon as he possibly could. So I guess when you're king, you probably want to hold on to that position for as long as you can. And Herod probably wasn't too excited when the wise men came and told him that they were looking for Jesus, who was, the, who was supposed to be the king of the Jews, and, and they were interested in worshiping him. So Herod did what most people do when they get nervous and they feel threatened, and he lied. Oh, listen, when you go and find this Jesus, let me know too, because I want to come and worship him too. No, not at all. Herod wanted to know where the wise men were going because he wanted to be able to go and kill this threat to his kingdom. He wanted the wise men to, to do all the hard work to find out where Jesus was going to be, and, and then he wanted to eliminate any possible threat to his reign. But you know what the cool thing is about that part of Scripture here? That God had another plan. And it didn't matter what Herod's plan was, and it didn't matter how threatened Herod felt in his position as king, because God had other plans that had been working for hundreds and hundreds of years, and this was God's redemption plan from the beginning. Remember we talked about that? This was God's intent, and Herod wasn't going to stand in the way of that. The book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, tells us this, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. You see, God's whole plan at Christmas time was not so that we could have this festive time of family gathering and decorating the house and all these wonderful Christmas songs, but God's entire plan at Christmas time was to give us our way of reconciliation, was to give us our opportunity to make our relationship with him right again. And so many times we miss that part of the gift. 
But that was really God's intent at Christmas time. You know, when we talk about the gospel message and as we think about different high points in our churches, uh, in the life of a church over the course of the year, we usually think about Easter time, right? When Jesus died and was buried and three days later he rose and we think, oh, well, that's where we talk about the salvation message and how important it is to develop that personal relationship with Christ. But folks, it starts here in the manger. When Jesus was born, these wise men sought him, and we would be wise to seek him as well. God gave us a perfectly planned, unexpected gift with the sole purpose of giving us uh, freedom from our sin and making our relationship right with him again. So we're talking about gifts, right? Have you ever, we talked about these perfect gifts, have you ever received one of those gifts where you look at it, and on the outside you're saying, thanks, and on the inside you're thinking, what in the world Am I supposed to do with this thing? Anyone else? Just me? Anyone gotten a couple of those things? And you look and you think, okay, well, I need to think that someone took the time, hopefully, and effort to go and pick this thing out for me, but my goodness, I, I don't know that I need a purple reindeer that lights up and sings Christmas. I just don't know what I'm going to do with this thing. You know, God took all of the guesswork out of what we were going to do with Jesus' gift 2,000 years ago. His gift of Jesus was for everyone at the same time, specifically just for me and just for you. And that brings us to our next point, and that's simply this, that Jesus is a personal gift. It's a personal, it's not a generic gift, it's not, but it's a very specific and very personal gift. In the Gospel of John, in, in chapter 3, verse 16, we see these words, that God loved the world so much that he gave. Man, that's a great Christmas message right there, right? God loved the world so much that he gave. It sounds just like what we do at Christmas time. We give to those that we love. We give to those that we care about. We give to those that we want to make happy. We give to those that want to see joy in their faces. That's exactly what God did for us. He gave. And I don't know about you guys. It's easy for me to give away things that I don't own, things that I go and buy for someone else. My youngest nephew wants this Crayola crayon melter. I think it has something to do with the fact that my brother, his children, myself, we all have this thing about fire and melting things, so I'm pretty sure that's why the five-year-old wants his crayon melter. So it's not hard for me to give away a crayon melter. It's not mine. Do not want one. Makes him happy. It's easy for me to give that away. It's a little harder when we give away things that are ours to begin with, isn't it? You know, Scripture tells us that when God gave, that God loves the world so much that he gave his only son. So not only did God give something away, but he gave away the only one that he had. That makes it a little more difficult, doesn't it? Well, I want you to have this, but I have two, so it's okay. Well, I want you to have this. I only have one, so I really hope you like it. Well, I want you to have this. I only have one, and it's my only son. That had to be a difficult decision. And if that doesn't express to us the depth of the love that God had for us as individuals, knowing, knowing that we would sin and turn our backs to him, then I don't know what else does. But God loved us so much that he gave. And what did he give? He gave his only son. And the purpose was so that we, so that anyone that believes, anyone that puts their faith and trust in him could fix that relationship uh, that was broken by sin, that relationship with God that was broken by sin. Remember we talked about this is God's reconciliation plan that he had from the very beginning. Matthew chapter 2, going back towards the end of our passage this morning, in, chapter, in verse number 9 through the beginning of verse 11, we see this. When they heard the king, they departed. This is the wise men. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. 
So can we talk about this for a second? You know, we see, we kind of have this idea in our head about the Christmas story. We see Mary and Joseph, and they go to Bethlehem, and there's no room for them in the inn, and they find a stable, and Jesus is born, and all of a sudden there are shepherds and animals and all kinds of other things that we typically see in nativity scenes, right? And I look at these nativity scenes sometimes and think, would all of these things all go together, all in the same place? How, how exactly would that work? And then there's wise men there. But if we, we really look at this inscription, we break it down. Man, this takes place over a significantly longer period of time than we, we often think. So, men, imagine taking your pregnant wife, and uh, she's ready to give birth, and there is no place for her to give birth. And the only thing that you can find is this dirty stable, and uh, you're trying to make things the very best that you can, and animals are making all kinds of noises all around you. Your wife at this point is probably making some noises as well. She's not too excited about being in labor. It's cold. We see that Jesus is born, and then these strangers show up with animals in tow, right? Shepherds appear. This is, this is the most important night of the year. This is the most important event in human history. It happened like this, and that just lends itself to Jesus' humility. But then when the Bible talks to us about the wise men and how when they came to see Jesus, if you notice, the Bible describes Jesus as a child, but not as a baby. And it's likely that Jesus wasn't a baby in the manger when the the wise men came to see him, but he was aged approximately a year, maybe a year and a half, maybe even two years. So there is a period of time. I say all that to draw your attention to this star. So the wise men, the Bible tells us, followed this star from the east. And so this star wasn't just there one night and they happened to follow and said, oh, well, this is clearly where Jesus is. But they followed this star over a period of time. And they continued to follow this star, continuing trusting in the promise that they had that they were going to find the Messiah. And continued to follow and continued to follow. And they expressed their faith in that way, continued to follow the star that appeared night after night, hoping to bring them to the place that had been promised for them. The wise men realized that the gift that Jesus uh, was to the world that first Christmas. So my question to you is this. Have you um, recognized the gift that Jesus was intended to be for you this Christmas? The last part uh, of this passage says this. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And look what the, the, the uh, wise men from the east did. The Bible tells us that they fell down and they worshipped him. They immediately recognized what it was that they had come to see, who it was that they had come to see, and recognize the significance and the importance of that. We had talked in the very beginning this morning about how it's, it's easy sometimes at Christmas time to kind of lose the significance of why we celebrate this holiday season. And every single little bit of Christmas, I got to tell you, I love it. I love all of it. The shopping, the lines, all of it. I really do. But I have to remind myself every Christmas as well that the reason that we do this is because 2,000 years ago there was a baby born in a manger That wasn't just an ordinary baby, but he was God himself. And the reason he was born was to reconcile me from my mistakes and from my sins and from my failures and to eliminate those and say, you know what? You've been reconciled. You've been made right with God again. And I trust that that's where you're at this morning as well. That brings us to our final point this morning. It's simply this. Jesus is a permanent gift. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, the very last part of this verse says this. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, and frankincense and myrrh. Now these are pretty interesting choices to uh, give to a little one at Christmas time, aren't they? So each of the gifts that the uh, wise men brought to Jesus had a specific meaning. So we talk about gold. Now really, who doesn't like to get gold, right? Can you imagine Christmas morning? Oh, gold! He opened another present, gold! And in my stocking, gold! That's a great Christmas. So the gold referred to his majesty, and what it specifically referred to that he was the true king of the Jews, and more importantly, that he was the king of kings. 
As we get to the rest of the gifts, they get a little more interesting, don't they? We see frankincense. So frankincense was a gift that usually only presented to deity. And so you didn't just go down to your local store and pick up some frankincense, but it was actually a white resin or gum that was uh, drawn from a particular tree, and you'd have to make a slit in the tree, and the resin or gum would come out from the bark, and uh, this resin or gum would be used uh, in worship service. It was highly odiferous, it was very fragrant, and when it was burned, it released a very sweet-smelling savor, a very sweet uh, scent. It was found in the East Indies, and uh, it was chiefly found in Arabia, which is also another indicator that the wise men possibly came from Arabia. So, so far we have gold, and we have this sweet-smelling savor, and then the last thing that we get to is myrrh, and this is really probably, for me anyway, the most interesting uh, gift that was given to Jesus uh, when, he, when the uh, wise men came to see him. This gift recognized Jesus' humanity, and more importantly, it was a spice that was a production, again, similar to the way that frankincense was produced, cutting a, a slit in the tree and allowing the sap to come out, but it was usually presented to one who was about to die. So that's interesting that you would present something that uh, you, you normally give to someone who's about to die to someone who was just born. But this indicates that, that uh, this indicated God's eventual plan for Jesus, that he would die for the sins of the world. So the gifts that the wise men presented to Jesus were precious, they were costly, they were presented with great respect, uh, but they were at best just very temporary. On the other hand, though, the gift that Jesus was presenting to the world was permanent and it was lasting. And it's good for all of eternity. Jesus' birth caught many people off guard. Had some traveling a great distance to find him. And really was the perfect one-size-fits-all gift for Christmas. In fact, he's really the only gift that if you think about it, it's okay to re-gift. Now think about it for a second. Have you ever re-gifted a gift? Okay, so what's the key when you're re-gifting? Don't give it back to the person that gave it to you. That's kind of a problem, right? So you get this like, oh, this is a really cool gift. I really don't have any need for this or any use for it. What could I do? Oh, I know this would be perfect for this person. And we re-gift it, right? And we're thinking, oh, I hope they don't realize it. I hope I took the tag off that said it was to me instead of to someone else. That could be a problem. Jesus is the only gift, though, that it's ever okay for us to re-gift. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are to tell others about the good news of Jesus' birth. And what better time to share that story than at, the, at, at Christmas time? So I read this story about one of the largest uncut diamonds uh, that was ever discovered in the world. It was actually discovered in a mine in South Africa. And uh, the uncut diamond was the size of a small lemon. So the uh, man that had discovered this wanted to ship this back to his London office. And he was so concerned about theft of this uncut diamond. It was just so incredibly valuable. So he found one of the uh, most tamper-proof steel lock boxes that he could get his hands on and hired four armed guards to transport this diamond from the diamond mine, to, diamond, uh, mine in South Africa all the way back to London. And so after, after traveling and, and these armed guards with this gun, you know, you, you have the box and, and they start to open the box and, and once the, uh, the, the guards got back to London office, they opened the box and they were shocked when inside of this box all they found was a lump of coal. And so they thought, well, this box has been in our possession the entire time. What happened? They were kind of confused. A couple of days later, this plain box with just ordinary brown paper arrived by parcel post from South Africa all the way to London. No one was the wiser as to what was inside. And how incredible was it that one of the most valuable diamonds that was ever found was shipped in just a plain brown wrapper from South Africa all the way to London. The owner figured that no one would think to look for a diamond of such value inside a plain box with an ordinary wrapper. So church, our message this morning comes down to this. 
that 2,000 years ago, God came wrapped in just a very ordinary wrapper. And he interjected himself into man's story. And by doing so, he forever changed the course of human history. Those who knew what they were looking for recognized him and began to worship him. Those who didn't, man, they had their religious beliefs. They had everything in their lives challenged when they had to come face to face with this Jesus of Nazareth who was turning his world upside down at the time. For others, it took a little while to recognize the great value of what had been given to mankind that day in a plain wrapper. I came across a Christmas card a couple years ago, and you know, you get Christmas cards and you read who it's from, and sometimes we miss the message of what's actually printed in the card itself, and some actually have some really cool messages. I got one a couple years ago and said this. I'll read this to you. It said, I read, uh, it said, uh, this card spoke of man's greatest need. It said, if our greatest need had been for information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been for money, then God would have sent us a financial planner. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a savior. And folks, that's the story of Christmas. I have a video for you to watch this morning. It's about two minutes in length, and it encapsulizes uh, the Christmas story here in a nutshell. He showed up 2,000 years ago in a manger in Bethlehem. He showed up when the wise men were looking for him. And you know what? If you're looking for him, he'll show up for you as well. He's not going to show up in this mystical kind of a way, but the fact is that God's already showed up and he's done the finished work for salvation. And the story of Christmas time is simply this. What have you done with God's incredible gift at Christmas time? I can't imagine a Christmas morning passing gifts around the tree and saying, this is so cool. Thank you for buying this for me. Thank you for wrapping it for me. Take it back. No one does that, right? Except oftentimes when it comes to Jesus, we tend to do that. We say, wow, he's so amazing, and we recognize that he's the reason for the season. He's why we celebrate, but I really don't want to have anything to do with him. So my challenge to you this Christmas time is this. Will you remember that Jesus really is at the center of our Christmas? He should be at the center of our Christmas. And if you haven't made that decision to uh, allow Christ to be your personal Savior, to develop that relationship with him, to allow that gift at Christmas time of reconciliation to be your gift from God this year, then I pray you'll take advantage of that. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we read about the wise men's journey to uh, find Jesus this morning, and we see a couple of different aspects. We see these men who had been following a star for some time uh, because they wanted to find your son. And when they found him, man, they fell down and they worshipped him. Father, we see, the, uh, we see Herod, who uh, on the other side wasn't so much interested about in worshiping Christ, but he was concerned that he was going to lose this power that he had and he was going to lose this position. And Father, as I look at these two different approaches, oftentimes it seems that that's where we're at. That some of us are ready just to find him and we run to Christ and we want to worship him. And Father, on the other hand, sometimes we're just so scared of letting go and, and letting you take charge and letting you reconcile us back to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, it's my desire, my prayer for our church this morning is simply this, that as we continue to celebrate this Christmas season, that we'll remember that past the presence and past all of these other different things, your Son paid the ultimate price. Your Son entered the world to be born as a baby, Father, so that we could have the best possible gift ever at Christmas time. We thank you for that. We pray that we'll not only remember this message, but we'll share that message as we continue to celebrate this season. In Jesus' name, amen.